folks, this is Pastor Mike Hoggard coming to you from Watchman Studios with another Watchman video broadcast. You know, over the years that I've been doing this, uh, you've heard me talk probably more than once about our enemies, principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world. That's kind of what fits in with today. And spiritual wickedness in high places, that also fits in with the topic of today. Uh, you've heard me talk about devils, gods with a little g, evil angels. Uh, some people call them demons. I'm okay with that. Um, and then familiar spirits. And uh, when we think of familiar spirits, you know, here lately I've been showing or trying to show examples of haunted houses, poltergeist activity, going on in you know people's houses or in abandoned buildings or in some cases actually caught on film or video or some sort of digital camera, a shadow uh, moving across a room or actually some sort of evil, pale-looking, ghostly face appearance. And we would refer to that as a familiar spirit. We know they're not the spirits of the dead, because the Bible tells us that as it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. We know from the parable that Jesus taught in Luke chapter 16, that immediately when the rich man died, he lifted up his eyes in hell being in torments. Lazarus, however, being carried by angels into Abraham's bosom. So we know they don't walk around and go boo, you know, to people and things like that. So here's what I'm getting to. When we think of familiar spirits, we think of some evil thing, you know, trying to scare everybody. We, we never think of an evil spirit as something like this. We never do, okay? But this is a familiar spirit. Now, you, some of you would look at it and say, no, that's, that's the Virgin Mary, and, and, and you're blaspheming the Virgin Mary. Here's my question back to you. How do you know? I mean, what did, what did Mary look like? Get my point? I mean, you could be drawing, or whoever drew this picture, painted it, could have painted a picture of Jezebel herself, the wife of Ahab, put her in this nice blue thing she's got over her head with thorns in her heart, that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected and I am the cursing, Hebrews tells us, 6, Hebrews 6. So we don't know who this is, but we're told that it's Mary. And Mary comes descending down from heaven and going, Oh, my wonderful children, I want you to do this for me. And I want you to pray the rosary 10 billion times. And I want you to do this and I want you to do that. That's a familiar spirit. It's not, it's not who some people, a billion and a half Catholics and other people around the world, it's not who they think it is. It's not the Virgin Mary. In fact, as I'm going to show you today, we have a scriptural warning against, oh, I'm Mary, I'm coming to, we have a, we, we have a scriptural warning against that very thing. In Galatians chapter 1, Paul started out this letter to Galatians, boom, right off the bat. 
that though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed as we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. And while I, I get it that, you know, Mary is not a man, or at least, you know, 50 years ago, the way we considered what a man was and what a woman was. But anyway, the idea is the same. She pretends to be the fourth part of the Trinity coming down from heaven, giving a different gospel than the one that Paul received, Peter received, James, John, all of those apostles, the gospel that they received is that the blood of Christ alone atones for man's sins, that Christ alone is man's mediator between us and God. It's Christ alone, and that it's Scripture alone that gives us the fullness of the gospel. So Paul warned us about things exactly like this, giving us a different gospel. I mentioned that in my in the way I can see it, this, and we're going to talk about Marian apparitions. What that simply means is the appearances of Mary around the world. We're going to focus on two in particular, probably two that you may have heard of, two of the most famous. But when Mary, supposedly Mary, makes these appearances around the world, she always preaches and teaches a different gospel. It's a spirit that pretends to be the Virgin Mary. This spirit, whatever its real name is, pretends to look like Mary, look like everybody's imagination of Mary, speak as though Mary, they think Mary would speak, be nice the way they think Mary should be nice, and so on and so on, and be all loving and gentle and everything like that. But that's the nature of a familiar spirit. It poses as one thing, but actually is another. And in that sense, this is what God told us. This is what we know absolutely 100% for sure. Before there was ever Jesus Christ on the cross, before there was ever a Virgin Mary, before there were any apostles, before there was a church in Rome, there was God's commandments to Moses warning about and warning against familiar spirits. Leviticus 19.31, Regard not them that have familiar spirits, neither seek after wizards to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. Now notice that in this verse he puts familiar spirits, regard not them that have familiar spirits, neither seek after wizards to be defiled by them. In this case, the wizard would be the Catholic priest. And I've already spoken on this. And I'm not going to go into this again. But hocus pocus, see this piece of bread? Now it's the actual piece of the dead body of Jesus Christ. Eat it. 
Now that right there violates several scriptures. Number one, he told us not to drink anything or eat anything with the blood in it. And according to transubstantiation rules, that once the priest does his wizardry and speaks these magic words over the cup, it turns literally into the blood and he says, drink it. Now that right there is a violation of scripture. But then you have a piece of dead flesh either in your hand or the priest puts it in your mouth or in the case of one priest, you know, this supposedly funny video, if you've seen it, the priest accidentally drops the communion wafer down this gal's blouse and then dives in after it. Anyway, it's dead. He just killed it in the sacrifice of the mass. That in itself makes you unclean. Doesn't make you clean at all. So anyway, God said, don't regard those who have familiar spirits. Don't seek after wizards either. Leviticus 20 verse 6, and the soul that turneth after such as have familiar spirits and after wizards to go a whoring after them. I will even set my face against that soul and will cut him off from among his people. Skip on down. Same chapter. Verse 27, a man also or a woman that hath a familiar spirit or that is a wizard shall surely be put to death. They shall stone them with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. Now, anytime I see uh, somebody in the Bible being stoned with stones, I always think of... Daniel chapter 2, and the vision or the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. He can't figure out what it is. He can't even remember the dream. He calls for his wizards. He calls for his priests and his bishops and his cardinals and his monsignors and all of these guys and says, hey, tell me, tell me what the dream was first and then tell me what it means. Oh, we can't do that. That's not fair. Daniel says, well, here's, here's what your dream was, Nebuchadnezzar. And he tells him his dream. And in his dream, he sees this image and the head of gold and the chest of silver and the legs and thighs of brass and the feet of iron, toes of part iron and part clay. And then he sees a stone cut without hands. And it goes crashing into the feet of that image and destroys it. So I think that whenever someone is commanded to be stoned in the Bible, it's a foreshadowing. That judgment or that, if it actually happened, that was a foreshadowing of what is to come according to the book of Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel's interpretation of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. So anyway, Leviticus 19, Leviticus 20 in two places. We got three verses where God said... Don't seek after familiar spirits. They'll appear. You'll hear their voice. You'll see their face. You'll be awed by their radiant beauty or whatever. You'll be like, oh, Maria, Santa Maria. You'll bow. You'll weep tears. Listen, Marian apparition 
places where they've set up chapels and big, huge edifices in honor of the Virgin Mary. People go there. They flock there by the millions just to go to be to this place where one day a familiar spirit showed up, gave a false gospel, and people in the billions plunging into the depths of hell for eternity. Why? Because they forsook the written word of God and went after a familiar spirit. Now, uh, you can look this up on Wikipedia. All these places where uh, supposedly Mary has appeared to people, uh, giving out various uh, commandments or uh, sometimes they see her weeping, sometimes they see her radiant beauty, uh, but it's always Mary appearing up in the sky somewhere and she's glowing and glittering and, and all kinds of stories are told. Now, do I believe that those things actually happened? I absolutely believe that it's possible that those things actually happened. I absolutely do. No, I don't think it was Mary. In fact, I'll just say it wasn't Mary. It was a spirit, a a female spirit. Can you think of a female spirit in the Bible that hates the gospel, hates the word of God like Jezebel did when she had Naboth's vineyard stolen against God's law. She hates God's law. Hates God's people and turns people's hearts away from the true word of God to her words. And I mean, literally, people will follow to the letter her words. Let's look at a list of some of these. Um, And this is from when I was looking at different titles given to Mary on Wikipedia. I kept seeing this. There was a separate list of titles given to Mary that were associated with Marian apparitions. And I was like, she's appeared This many times. Now, this list here is probably not a complete list. There's probably Marian apparitions that the Catholic Church says, well, that's interesting. We're not sure that it's actually an official thing of the church where we recognize it. But it's probably happened thousands of times all over the world at different stages in the last 2,000 years. Uh, Our Lady of Akita, Our Lady of All Nations, Our Lady of Benu. And remember what the word Our Lady means, or the phrase. It's like the female part of Our Lord. So when you say Lady, the Lady of this or the Lady of that, she is a female Lord. You are ascribing uh, dominion of her over you, 
over, let's say, some territory, over a group of people, or whatever. She is, and in, in that sense, since she is the lady of something, then she is a principality, a power. She has lordship over this certain area. And I guarantee you, if you were to go to uh, Lord's France, you're not going to find First Baptist Church of Lord's France. You're not going to find uh, First Church of God of Lord's France. You're not going to find um, any number of Protestant churches. that You're not going to find them. She has total dominance over that area. And everything in that area is going to be Catholic. And, you know, I've never been there, but you know what I bet? I bet that all around town in Lourdes, France, there are shops that will sell you religious trinkets. Things that they say has the power of of, of the Virgin Mary appearing here at Lord's. It has the power in it. And you just hold it in your hand. You pray and, and God will give you all these blessings or whatever. Rosaries. They're selling you rosaries. They'll sell you statues. They'll sell you, they'll sell you a Pope's hat. Okay? That's what they'll do. Uh, let me back, get back to the list here. Our Lady of Caravaggio. Our La- Ooh, China. That's interesting. How come all of China hasn't been converted to Roman Catholicism? Uh, Our Lady of uh, Coromoto, Our Lady of Fatima, Guadalupe, Good Health, Good Help, Mother of the Word, Our Lady of Knock, Our Lady of La Salette, Our Lady of Vang, Our Lady of Laos, Lourdes, the Miraculous Medal, Our Lady of Mount Carmel, uh, Our Lady of the Snows, Valsingham and Zeltwin, and so on and so on. We're gonna we're gonna focus on. Uh, Fatima, Our Lady of Fatima, and the Marian apparition at Guadalupe, Mexico. In fact, here is an actual, no, not, not really. It's not an actual photograph. This is a, a film that was made uh, decades ago about the event that took place uh, in uh, Guadalupe, Mexico, a poor uh, Peasant by the name of Juan Diego, this is December 1531, was called up four different times by an apparition of a woman who identified herself as, here it is, this is her words, the ever-virgin Holy Mary, the mother of the very true deity. Now, those of us who know the Bible, we automatically have problems with this. Because, number one, the Gospels state that Jesus, in his adult life, had brothers. And I don't mean, like, brothers in arms or brothers from a secret society or just we're brothers because we're Jews. They were the sons of Mary and Joseph. See, the Bible says, the Bible specifically says that Joses and I'm, well, I'm trying to think if this is in 
Matthew or what, but the Bible specifically says that Joseph knew her not until Jesus was born. Then he knew her. She conceived sons and daughters. In fact, James, the writer of the book of James, was Jesus' brother, half-brother from Joseph and Mary. And if you remember, it was the story about uh, the time of the Feast of Tabernacles. And his brethren didn't believe him. They didn't, they didn't believe that he was the Messiah. They didn't believe he was the Christ or anything like that. And they were kind of taunting him. Hey, you, you know, hey, it's tabernacles. You, don't you think you better go? Jesus, if you're the Lord, think you ought to go there? And Jesus said, it's not my time yet. You go. Okay, that was his physical brothers. And there is absolutely no place anywhere in the scriptures that says that Mary's virginity survived the birth of Jesus Christ. So number one, she's lying about that, the ever-virgin Holy Mary. And see, here's what's interesting to me. She appears to Juan Diego, and she has to tell him who she is. Now, there's a story in the book of Daniel, chapter 3, where Nebuchadnezzar, remember the 60 cubit by 6 cubit image that he made? He was going to have everybody fall down to it. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego decided they weren't. They stood, and Nebuchadnezzar got mad. I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace. Wham, he throws them in the fiery furnace. The furnace is so hot that the men who threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fiery furnace, the men that threw them in there, they were killed instantly. They just boom, burn up. Nebuchadnezzar, who had served multiple gods all his life, had god statues everywhere, upon seeing, looking inside the fiery furnace, knowing that three men were tossed in, but he sees four, he says, Lo, I see four men loose. This is Daniel 3.25. I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. He knew exactly who it was. Jesus did not have to holler out of the fiery furnace and say, Nebuchadnezzar, I'm the Son of God. He didn't have to do that. And I guarantee you, when you meet Jesus, you're not going to have to ask who he is. You're going to know. Whether you're saved or you're lost, you're going to know. So automatically, she has to identify herself to, to Juan Diego. And she gets it wrong right off the bat. Now, according to the rules, Deuteronomy 18, according to the rules of a prophet, a prophetess, someone who speaks or alleges to speak in the name of God, if they're wrong one time, you don't have to listen to anything else they said. See, God's standards on accuracy are a whole lot higher than ours. God's standard is perfection. 
everything that they say must be true or it can't be from God. So right off the bat, she's saying, hey, Juan, uh, Juan Diego, I am a liar, senor. Okay? And he believes it. Then she says, the mother of the very true deity. When did God have a mother? Now, I know that Jesus, the fully man part, was born of Mary. But nowhere in the Bible, anywhere, it's not prophesied in the Old Testament, it's not mentioned in the Gospels, it's not written about by Peter, James, John, nobody. Paul, nothing. Nobody ever used the phrase Mater Dei, Mother of God, Madre Dios. No one ever called Mary the Mother of God. God doesn't have a mother. I, God says, I always was, I am, and I always shall be. Okay? Jesus Christ, even Jesus Christ shared his Father's glory before the world was. John 17. So, right out of her mouth, two lies. But because Juan Diego is seeing this, he's like, in awe, you can't believe it. So he sees this appearance of a familiar spirit who is pretending to be the Virgin Mary. Now, I don't remember the whole story. The first time he saw her uh, was at this, on this mountain. And he goes, and she says, now go tell the bishop now in town that I'm here and you saw me here. So one Diego runs into town like Mario, okay? And he gets there, and he tells the bishop, and the bishop says, well, I don't know about this. So he wants a sign. Juan Diego goes running back and finds, and there's Mary again appearing to him. Something like three or four times, I think, he ends up running back and forth. The, the last time he runs up there, he's got to give something to the bishop. Now, this is the part where if it's a hoax, it's a really good one. Uh, and I tend to believe that the cloth that I'm fixing to describe for you is genuine. I, I think it is. I don't, I still don't believe it's Mary. But anyway, um, he goes up to the mountain again. And the Virgin Mary appears and you know, and all that, look, go back to this picture again, all that blazing glory coming out of her with her folded hands. See, that's Mary, isn't it? She has her hands folded. It's got to be Mary. So she says, go up to the mountain and pick flowers. Now, that was kind of a miracle because that was above what they call the tree line or whatever, the forest line or whatever. Nothing grows up higher than a certain elevation. But he goes up there, and sure enough, there's flowers everywhere. And she said, I want you to take your, whatever that was that was on his shoulders and over his head, 
his cloak, in other words, his mantle, the Bible would call it, and take the flowers that you pick and put them in your mantle and, and roll them up and don't open it. Then I want you to go back down to the bishop and I want you to give the bishop your mantle with the flowers in it. So Diego runs up there, takes his thing off and fills it full of flowers, different kinds of flowers, and rolls it all up, runs back down into town and he gets there before the bishop. He said, Bishop, Virgin Mary told me to give you this. I picked them from the mountaintop. Can you believe that? They're flowers from the mountaintop. And the bishop takes and he unrolls it. And there imprinted on his mantle, if you look at this picture, that exact image was portrayed, painted, inked. Somehow, some way, this image appears on this cloth. And supposedly it's the image. Oh, it's got to be Mary because, you know, she's got her hands folded. And she's got the crescent moon under her feet because, because... Roman Catholicism teaches that Mary is the woman in Revelation 12 um, who appears with a crown of 12 stars and has the moon under her feet and she's clothed with the sun uh, and so on and so on and so on. And she being with child cried travailing in birth. Now, I'm looking at this uh, image here. And, uh, yeah, I see the moon there, but you know what I don't see? I don't see a pregnant woman. But anyway, um, this is still preserved in whatever big edifice that they built for her. It's still preserved there. It's been analyzed dozens of times, maybe, I don't know. And most everybody that analyzes it says, yeah, this is a real image put on there. We don't know how it got on there. Certainly, Juan Diego was not known for his artistry skills. In other words, we don't know how it got on there, but it's on there. And so that's the story. Do I believe that part of it? Yeah, I, I think it's very, very possible. I, I, I think that a spirit of some kind put this image there. It's sort of like the, the Shroud of Turin. I'm not buying that that's Jesus. I'm not. I don't buy it. Because the Bible specifically says that Jesus' body was wrapped in two different shrouds. One of them was wrapped around his head, and the other one was wrapped around his body. And so, to me, that doesn't leave... Um, it, 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 does, it doesn't lead me to believe that one single shroud with a, a near-perfect image of a man who seems to be crucified on this image is actually on there and that, that it's actually Jesus because he would have had something around his head to go along with it. And if you think, well, you know, it got on there because when he rose again, you know, the radiant light, you know, from, from, from touching his skin. But if it happened that way, if you take a... a 
a towel or a rag and fold it around your face and you ink your face all up and when you pull it out, you're going to have a distorted face. It just doesn't make sense. But anyway, it got on there somehow, some way. And guess what millions of Roman Catholics do every time they pull it out? They go and pray to it. It's a gimmick. Same thing they do here. So I am the ever-Virgin Holy Mary, the mother of the very true deity. And so then here's, she, here's what she does. She commanded, she commanded that a church be erected on the site where Juan Diego saw her in her honor. She wants everybody, all these peasant farmers, peasant villagers, these poor people, collect all of their money and build this humongous church so that everybody can come from all over the world and worship who? Not God. Not the Son of God. Mary. Though we, or an angel from heaven, bring you any other gospel, let him be accursed. Poor Juan Diego. If he made all this up, he's in hell. If he didn't make it up and believed it, he's still in hell. He believed a different gospel. So here's exactly what the Virgin Mary familiar spirit said to Juan Diego at that scene. I wish that a temple be erected here quickly. So, now you got to listen to this, people. So I may therein exhibit and give all my love, compassion, help, and protection because I am your merciful mother to you and to all the inhabitants of this land and all the rest who love me Invoke and confide in me. Listen there to their lamentations and remedy all their miseries, afflictions, and sorrows. And to accomplish what my clemency pretends. You got to stop right here. I'm getting a little upset here. Number one, I demand thee Make a temple right here. Do it fast because I want to exhibit and give all my love, my compassion, my help and protection. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't that God's job to give us love, compassion, help and protection? And it... Well, I tell you what, there's a, there's a reason why the Catholic Church, Jezebel, Mystery Babylon, hates the Bible, specifically the King James Bible. It's because that anybody who knows Scripture and hears something like this, 
They see Mary, and Mary says that you need to erect a temple right here so that you can come here and that you can receive my protection. But according to the scriptures, that's not where we're to go when we need protection. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noise and pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Didn't say anything here about building a temple. To, in the Old Testament, it would be Miriam. Building a temple to some virgin mother goddess to go to her for protection. Not one word. In fact, God says, come to me. You want protection? Come to me. I'll protect you. I'll cover you. I'll shadow you. I'll make, I'll make it like you. They can't even see you. They can't hurt you if I protect you. And so here Mary is stealing God's glory, God's gospel. She's stealing it and taking it unto herself. And then says, um, uh, I, I'm your merciful mother. Well, again, that's a lie. Because Galatians tells us that Jerusalem above, which is free, is the mother of us all, not Mary. Mary's just a human woman. She only can give birth to so many children, and then that's it. And yet Jerusalem above, a spiritual city, can bring forth all of us forever. Um, all the rest who love me and Vulcan confide in me, listen to, to their lamentations and remedy all their miseries. I'm going to fix all their problems, their afflictions, and, and then to accomplish what my clemency pretends. You know what clemency is, don't you? I got so excited, I almost ruined my tablet here. It's when, like a governor grant you clemency you're guilty of some crime and uh they're gonna throw you in jail for the rest of your life or put you on death row and the governor then gives you clemency he has the power and the ability at, with the stroke of a pen to sign his name to a document that says you're free even though you did this i am setting you free Mary told Juan Diego, now billions of people, since that happened when? 1531. 500 years ago. All those people who have believed that, who have made a pilgrimage there, believe that Mary can save their souls from hell. Though we or an angel from heaven bring you any other gospel, let them be accursed. Mm. Look at Luke chapter 9. Now, this idea of Mary now, Mary. Now, we're not talking about Jesus. We're not talking about God speaking to Moses. We're talking about, and, and I want you to think about this for a minute. When, when Moses met God, did God instruct 
Moses to build a great big huge temple at the base of Mount Sinai, leave it there so that everybody that came by Sinai could receive God's clemency. No. He actually just told him to build this little tent. That's sufficient for God to stay in as long as God blessed it. And we have another story of the appearance of saints from heaven along with Jesus. You know what story I'm talking about? When Jesus was transfigured, uh, Matthew 17, Luke chapter 9. Remember what Peter wanted to do? So Mary is demanding that because she appeared here, she wants a temple made in her honor. And not even Jesus would let his disciples do that. Look at what it was said. Luke chapter 9, verse 28. And it came to pass about in eight days after these things, he took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered and his raiment was white and glistening. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elias, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were awake, they saw his glory and the two men that stood with him. And it came to pass as they departed from him, Peter said unto Jesus, and you got to imagine for a minute that Peter is like, he just woke up. He sees Moses, Elijah, and Jesus shining, radiant, like the Virgin Mary at Guadalupe, right? No, way brighter than that. He sees this. He just woke up and he's like, Master, it is good for us to be here and let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. And the scripture records for us not knowing what he said. Not knowing what he said. He is so uh, enraptured at the sight of what he has just seen. He's like, we got to do something. We got to build temples here. This is amazing. Calm down, Peter. It'll be all right. Okay, just, just relax. Because Jesus knew that his temple, his church, wasn't going to be made with the hands of, of man. In fact, it was later on that Jesus said to Peter, I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, you believe that that was Mary at Guadalupe all you want to. You can believe that that image on his uh, tunic or his mantle or whatever they called it, you can believe that that's a real image. And I think it could be. But I'm not convinced that this is some big act of God, that God sent Mary down there to be an ambassador for God, to tell those people 
to build a temple. Now, it would have been something else had Mary built the thing herself. You see, if she's powerful enough to hear every man's prayers, are you catching what I'm saying here? If she's powerful enough to hear every man's prayers, if she's powerful enough to um, repeat man's prayers to Jesus, being a mediator, if she's powerful enough to administer graces to billions of people throughout 2,000 years, if she's powerful enough to do all of that, surely she could command stones to be come together and make, make her own glorious temple. But you see, that's how you know you've got the real God and a fake one. You see, the real God says, you've sinned, there's a price to pay, I'm not going to make you pay it. I'll pay it for you. The real God says a sacrifice must be made. Somebody must die. But I'm not going to ask you to die. I'll die in your place. That's the real God. The real God would say that my people need to worship me so they must build a, a building that is far superior to any building that has ever been built by man in order to magnify my glory and show forth my glory and power around the world. A real God wouldn't do that. A real God would say, I'll make my own temple myself. I'll, I'll pitch my own tent. Okay? Destroy this temple. And in three days... I'll demand everybody to rebuild it? No. I'll build it myself. A fake God would demand that you give her all your money. A fake God would demand that you sacrifice yourself or one of your children. A fake God would demand that you build a temple in my honor. I'm not building that. I'm not lifting a finger. You want to show your worship of me? Then get building, buddy. See, it's works. It's all about works, salvation, and works-based grace. Mm -mm -mm. Uh, Acts chapter 17, verse 24. God that made the world... And all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Hebrews 9, but Christ being come an high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. Verse 24, the same chapter, for Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God. For us, nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others. You see that verse right there? Oh, let's visit that for a minute. 
for Christ has not entered into holy places made with hands. So that church that they built down in Guadalupe, Jesus has never been in there one time. Not once. Because he's he doesn't enter into temples made with hands. Then it says, He appeared in heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Um, nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest. Christ doesn't just keep on dying every day, every time they perform the Mass. It doesn't happen that way. He only needed to die once. If you've got, you've got a choice of two gods here. You've got one God who has to be sacrificed millions of times every day, and I'm not exaggerating, in order to keep sins forgiven and keep sins covered. And every time you sin and build up sin, well, there needs to be another mass said so that those sins can be covered too. We need to kill Jesus all over again because his repeated death is what covers sins. Or you can serve a God that says, I only need to die once. And I can forgive all sins for all people, for all times, forever. Just once. Okay? And I like the Savior who only needs to die once because he's that good. But so many people are fallen after Mary. Hebrews uh, 8. Now the, of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. So here you have, um, quote unquote, the Virgin Mary, a familiar spirit who demands that a temple be made right there in her honor, demands it and says, because I want to give grace, I want to give redemption, I want to give protection, but I can't because I have to have a temple in order to do those things. I have to have a place where people will come from miles around all over the world and they will worship me. You know something I found out about this apparition in uh, Guadalupe? Is that the Virgin of Guadalupe or Our Lady of Guadalupe has basically become the symbol for all, not just people who live in Guadalupe, but for all of Mexico and for large portions of Central and South America. They see the indigenous people there of Mexico, Central America, South America, they see this Marian apparition as given specifically to their people. And you'll have images of her all over the place. 
trinkets and curio. I, we used to go to uh, Mexico, uh, like when, on vacation, back when it was safe. We didn't worry about drugs, pe- people getting shot and killed. But we used to go right across the border, Brownsville, Texas, to Matamoros, and shop in all those shops there and loved it. My dad took us down there when we were kids, loved it. Images of Mary of Guadalupe looking just like that image that he brought down from that mountain. I mean, they are everywhere. And that, to all of those people, is their God. So they built her a humongous place down there. And she is worshipped everywhere in Mexico, Central America, South America. She's worshipped everywhere. What a shame for those people to be in bondage. What a shame it is. Pray for them. Pray that God will bring them out. I met a shopkeeper once who claimed to be a Baptist. And he knew some Bibles, so I didn't have any reason to doubt him. I know they like to make a sale, so sometimes they'll say whatever they want they, you want to hear. But he seemed like a good guy. But he said, he said, it's everywhere. Catholicism is at, the Catholic Church in Matamoros is the town square. It's right in the middle. Anyway, here's what's interesting. Is that before um, Christianity, well, before Roman Catholicism came to Mexico from, uh, who was it? Hernando Cortez. Before he brought those priests in and had Montezuma and all those native people killed. The people who lived around that area of where that mountain is, where the Virgin Mary, the mother of God appeared, they already had a female goddess who just happened to be, get this now, the mother of God. This is from a Franciscan historian. A Franciscan is the, the uh, it's like what uh, Pope Francis named himself after. He named himself after St. Francis of Assisi. There is an order of priests called the Franciscan Order. And I guess they follow the teachings or whatever of St. Francis. But a, a Franciscan priest historian by the name of Bernardino de Sahagan, had this to say about what was worshipped in that exact spot before Mary showed up. At this place, Tepeyac, the Indians had a temple dedicated to the mother of the gods, whom they called Tonansin, which means our mother. There they performed many sacrifices in honor of this goddess, and now that a church of Our Lady of Guadalupe is built there, they also called her Tanunsen, being motivated by those preachers who called Our Lady the Mother of God Tanunsen. You see what happened? For who knows how long, 
500 years, 1,000 years, maybe going all the way back to the time after the flood. Who knows? The indigenous people who lived in this area already had a familiar spirit, goddess, that they worshipped. And they regarded her as the mother of any of the gods that they worshipped. She was their mother. So if they worshipped the sun god, Tenantzin was the sun god's mother. If they worshipped the star Sirius, which a lot of them did, then she was the mother of that god. If they worshipped Mars, she was the mother of that god. If they worshipped some sort of water beast, then she was the mother. She was the mother of all the gods that those indigenous people already worshipped. So how hard was it, really, when Catholicism, and, and, and uh, Cortez did this, when he realized, when he saw Quetzalcoatl on a cross, he starts talking to his priests and he says, you know what, I think we can get these people. We'll show them our guy on a cross and we'll say, your guy is our guy. They're the same guy. Now you call him the wrong name. So we're going to correct that. And we're, we're going to just call him Jesus. How's that? But it's still Quetzalcoatl. It's still the serpent on the pole is what it is. And that's how Cortez did it. And so here, here in this same area, they've already got an ancient goddess named Tenantzin. She is the mother of God or the mother of the gods. She's already worshipped in this spot and it's at this spot that just happens to be where this familiar spirit who referred to herself as the Virgin Mary decides to come down and say, Hi, I'm Mary. Okay? I'm not Tenantzin. But see, what happened was some of the other priests got mad because they were calling, the people were calling this Virgin Mary at Guadalupe Tenantzin. And they were like, quit calling her that. But some of the other priests were like, let, her, let them call her that. We've got them. We've got them. They're worshiping her. They're bringing large sums of money in. Quit your belly aching. Go along with it. Same thing was done. You, you notice if you study, there is a goddess here in the Old Testament named Ashtaroth. She's a mother goddess. And then here in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, we have Diana. And the people there in the book of Acts who worship Diana, they, they do not like Paul and them preaching the gospel because they say, uh, these guys preach that there, there are no gods in temples made with hands. And we know that this city is dedicated to the great goddess Diana, whom the whole world worshipeth. You know what the Bible is saying there? It's saying that everybody 
who worships a female deity or spirit of some kind, no matter what the name of it was, it's still the same spirit. And in this case, that spirit, since Ashtaroth was a mother, Tanansin was a mother, the Virgin of Guadalupe was a mother, Mary's a mother, Diana's a mother, then all of them are mystery. Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Now, next time, get ready for this one, okay? I have been, and it's taken me a while to put this together. But I have been collecting information now on various appearances of female spirits. And I'm going to, we're going to go uh, next time into um, Fatima. And if you've never heard of the apparition at Fatima, you ought to, you ought to go there and look at it. It is. It's wild. 70,000 people on a pre-selected day showed up at Fatima and saw lying signs and wonders. And now billions of people have been led to believe that the Virgin Mary appeared there. But she's been busy because she's been also appearing in other places in modern times in various ways, including, and this is what blew me away. You know, some people, they, they, don't, they don't like the fact that I'm, I'm doing research into UFOs. They think that I'm, I'm, I'm losing it. You know, I'm getting, I'm getting way off track here. I'm getting away from the Bible. What if I told you that if we all agree now that these Virgin Mary appearances are not, it's not really Mary, it's a familiar spirit. What if I told you that she, under different names, is the one directing the entire UFO movement. What if I what if I could show you that? Okay? Would you believe it? If I could show it to you. Okay? Well, that's what's coming up. All right? Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your love. Uh, please continue in your prayers. And um, please pray for us. And um, our ability to feed people in Turkana is, uh, well, it's just almost not there now. And I don't know what the Lord has in mind. And I'm not asking you for anything. I'm, the only thing I'm asking you to do is pray for us so that we know the Lord's will. All right? Lord bless you. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.